0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Home Field Apparel.
1: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 97th episode, recorded on Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and we are getting really close and counting down to our 100th episode. I am your host, Kathy Amos, and I'm joined tonight by my co host, Jeff Marlowe. And tonight we will be breaking down your number 14 Indiana Hoosiers 67 75 win over the Penn State Nittany Lions. The Hoosiers have now won 13 in a row straight this season and 13 in a row straight home conference room conference wins going back to last season this win tonight brings your record their record to 14 and 1 and 5 and 0 in the big 10 so we're going to start our our show like we do every show and that's with our hoosier proud banner moment and for me i'm i think i'm going to take the obvious one which is where we were um, right after the timeout in that third quarter so around 6:30 mark Carrie, terry Morin um, took a timeout and right after that sid came in she drives for two and then we forced a turnover max comes down misses a two and sid gets the offensive rebound there's a lot of uh, passing and eventually Sydney drives it for two and then sarah scalia on the other and steals it a few minutes later around the four minute mark lexi drives the ball kicks it out to Sydney for three finally hits one which i felt was like a huge weight for the whole team then we go back on defense steal by mckenzie Got back down on the other end, Ball to Sydney. She drives, she's fouled, and makes two free throws where we finally recaptured the lead 46 to 47. That was an 11 2 run for the Hoosiers and a 9 0. A nine point run for Sydney by herself. In that quarter, we would end up finishing 19 to 6 to in that quarter where we eventually um, took the lead and then maintained it the rest of the game. And I thought that was an important stretch for us because the, the first, you know, 15, or excuse me, 25 minutes of that game, we were really, really struggling. Um, you know, it looked like we were um, not really focused on defense. We we weren't focused on offense. There was a lot of turnovers. We were missing rebounds. Um We weren't quite getting the steals, and it just looked like Penn State came out with a little bit more pep in their step. And, you know, not surprising, this was sandwiched in between a big road win that we just had over Nebraska and going into a huge road win coming, or excuse me, maybe I'm uh, a little ahead of myself, a huge, huge road game coming up against Iowa this Saturday. And, you know, I think it's not surprising that the team came out just a little bit flat-footed and unfocused. But as we have seen from this team time and time again for the last few years, the seniority, the, the experiences really played out. And that whole stretch from that timeout, that whole six-and-a-half-minute stretch to end that third quarter, I think was a perfect example of how this team plays together and is coached very well. And so for me, that entire six-and-a-half-minute was our banner moment. And as usual, our banner moment is brought to you by Home Field Apparel, the the presenting sponsor of Back Home Network, which includes Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. And we'll be talking a little bit more to you about Home Field Apparel when we talk about what's coming up with our 100th episode, but we'll get to that later in the program but Homefield is releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. So you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get great quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana based business that has its roots in the Kelly school of business. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code home two three for 15% off your entire first order. Again, that's home code, promo code HOME23 for 15% off. And the website is homefieldapparel.com. We're one for the team. All right, I'm going to hit a couple quick. Quick news headlines, and then we'll turn it over to Jeff for Marlowe's musings. So we have a couple IU recruits, Faith Wiseman and Sydney Finn, who have been nominated for the McDonald's All-American game. all around the country, Aubrey Griffin from UConn will now miss the rest of the season for uh, with an ACL score. It's tear. This is now the fourth Husky to be out for the season. And then it is also being reported that Paige Beckers of UConn may return for another season rather than declaring for the NBA draft next year. But Jeff, let's talk about today's game and Indiana's win. What are your musings for tonight?
0: Well, I, I want to go back to the news on Beckers a little bit. And and Beckers is interesting because she she's being projected as the third overall pick in the draft. Um, but She's very good friends with AZ Fudd who is out is one of those four players who is out for the year for Yukon and together since they've been in stores, they've only played like, I think I the stat I saw today, they've only played like 17 games together. So there's a lot of the speculation that she wants to come back and see what they can do next year. But again, will still have to remain to be seen. And, and in Kathy, this is before I get into the music about tonight games, I had to, I had somebody asking me this earlier in the week and, and we haven't had an announcement yet from her, but uh, Chloe Moore McNeil is, a, it does hu- that's a huge decision because Chloe still has a COVID year that she can use. Sydney's already announced she's coming back next year, but a, another year of Chloe would also, would obviously help, you know, kind of even more uh, bridge that gap between some of the people who are leaving and, and, you know, cause Max out of, out of eligibility, Sarah's out of eligibility, you know, and, and such. So those, that would be an interesting, i would be to me interesting to see what Chloe does by time we get to the end of the year, but about tonight's game, uh, again, was it great? No. Was this the best this team can play? No, we've seen this over the last couple of games when they're shooting well. And let's face it though, making shots makes everything look better you know, yeah, and it, makes, it, it makes just being
1: so much easier, doesn't it? It
0: does. <laughs> it makes a hard game look really easy and it makes playing hard look easy. Um, but I did think there were times tonight in the first half, especially where I thought they got outworked. I thought, um, and I think you saw that even a little bit at the beginning of the third quarter where you had a couple of those quick turnovers and they were slow getting back. And that was when, Coach Morin took that timeout after McKenzie uh, hit the layup to cut the lead to 45-38. She took that timeout off the make. That was very similar to the timeout when I was there for the Murray State game. And I asked her about that in the press conference, and she it, it, and, and she was very direct about it. It's unacceptable. You know, they, they, they didn't hustle back. So it was interesting from that standpoint. But I think this is, again, you don't like falling behind, but a good team, a veteran team, doesn't panic. And they didn't just try – and a veteran coach didn't panic. They weren't – she didn't just try plugging in different lineups, changing the lineups. You know, we've talked a lot about at times about trying to get more of the bench in the game. But tonight would have been one of those nights where somebody as a coach might panic and be like, I'm just going to clear the bench and or I'm going to put three subs in and two – start." you know, that kind of – and just kind of, you know, see if they could hunt a lineup. Coach Morin stayed with her, the ones that she trusts – and they finally found it, it, took, it, it and, and it took that timeout. They came out of that timeout. They were down 45, 38. They ran off the rest of the quarter, basically 17 to, you know, 17 to two. I think it was um, that, you know, that right there, or no, I'm sorry, 17, six, 17, six in the quarter. That's where they found it. And they really held that pretty much throughout the fourth quarter. I do have some things I want to talk about a little bit later. Um, you know, kind of maybe, you know, I'm not sure really, probably in a pivotal place. That's where I'll have it. There were some concerns at the end of the game too. But yeah. again, yeah. you found a way to get a win. You stay undefeated in the conference and you're going to go to Iowa on Saturday with a chance to get the outright lead in the conference.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. So why don't we just go ahead and jump into pivotal plays. Where where do you want to start? Maybe before the the ball was even jumped? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think
0: I've ever seen that in a college game where Sydney Parrish was basically as soon as the tip went up, the officials noticed she still had her earrings in. And so they stopped the play and forced her to go out. Now, that was kind of me. I'll take the break there because in the high school game, that's a technical. Because as a coach, before the game, they ask you, are your players legally equipped? Well, earrings being in is not legally equipped. And so, you know, I, I, I but I don't think I've ever seen that in the college game with that. But no, I'm going to go. um, My first pivotal play here was kind of at the end of the first half, Kathy. And and this is, this is one of those that we've seen a little bit of here time a few times on the season. They couldn't run the clock all the way down. The shot clock was going to end before the game clock, but Chloe takes a really not quick, but she shoots, in my opinion, early. There was still about six, seven seconds left on the shot clock 11 seconds or so on the game clock and she's shooting it early in my opinion that's you want to milk that down to one or two on the shot clock so you can get it as close to zero as you can you want to leave as little time as possible for the other team she misses Penn State's able to come back down the floor and they bank a three. And so, what could have been at worst a two point deficit ends up being a five point deficit at the half. And I, that's the, like I said, we've seen this a few times where they really haven't kind of managed clock or massaged clock at the end of quarter type situations. I just think that's something, you know, that, but in, in a, in a, in, 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 that can be especially at the end of a fourth quarter, end of a third quarter, those can be pivotal plays.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, And we've seen that from Chloe before. I, I would say, you know, it feels like about 94% of the time she has pretty good decision making. I have, you know, little problems with most of the time in her, you know, ability to get the ball where it needs to be the passes. But tonight wasn't necessarily on point with with what we've seen of her. And, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about, you know, her six turnovers and the turnovers for the team, but she had six of them herself, which kind of talks to her decision making as well. And I I agree at the end of that, that first half, you really wanted to milk the clock and we'll talk maybe a little bit about milking the clock later, but, you know, run the, the clock down a little bit more. And instead Penn State got that three to go up 39, 34. Um, another interesting thing that happened then going into that halftime was, you know, Coach Morin didn't bring the t- the team out until a minute and 43 seconds left with the in between the, the um, at the halftime. So there was a minute 43 left before the team came out of the locker room, which was way longer than we saw Penn State staying on the floor coming out and warming up. And so clearly they they felt they had a lot to talk about, and I think they did you know in that first half, you know their shooting was not there as we talked about, they only shot thirty nine percent um the three point shooting was just not there tonight they had twenty five percent in the first half, had eight turnovers, seven of them in the first quarter and um you know we're getting out rebounded twenty three to sixteen and getting out scored thirty to eighteen in the point points in the paint all in the first half and so I felt they had quite a few adjustments to really come out and make. And I didn't quite see them at the beginning of the the first quarter or excuse me, the third quarter. But I think after that timeout in the third quarter, like I mentioned in my banner moment, that's where we really saw them kind of flip a switch and turn back into the team we have been seeing for the most part of the season. Um, so what other pivotal plays do you have, Jeff, that you want to talk on? Uh,
0: to me the whole game turns basically coming out of that timeout Kathy because yep. at 6 with, with from the 614 mark uh till the 330 mark so almost 3 full minutes Sydney Parrish goes on her own personal 9 to 1 run that gives us a 47 46 lead and I think we were tied a couple times after that but we never trailed again after that uh, and and so but that that 9 to 1 run by Sydney where she had two drives which I thought were key. I thought that finally somebody got really aggressive and attacking them off the dribble. And, and then she nailed a three and, and then, you know, and, and with that, so I thought Sydney's you know, kind of three minute stretch there was a, was to me, was the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why I kind of picked up for my banner moment. I, I think without that spark, I don't know what happened to Sydney during that timeout, but whatever coach Morin said to her in particular, I think was just the, the right thing to be saying or whatever coach said it to her because she came out like her hair was on fire. And, you know, I thought without that, um, play, I, I think we'd be having a very different show tonight. You know, um, I, I thought Sydney by far was really the spark that we, we really needed coming in after that. Um, so, I, I think, you know, one person we should talk about, and it's not necessarily a pivotal play, but one person we didn't see a whole lot from on the positive side tonight was Yardin Gar- Garzon. So Yardin ended up with seven points, um, but she ended up only playing 28 minutes, which was um, definitely by far the least we've seen uh, of all the starters tonight, but probably one of the least we've seen from from Yardin tonight. So I'm not sure if she had an illness or what was going on, but it just didn't seem like the game was coming to her. You know, she had ended up with three fouls and three turnovers as well in those those 28 minutes and only shot three of eight from the floor but one thing she did she did have a couple of assists and one late in the game with about eight minutes to go was a really great pass to McKenzie going down who ended up making two Um, and I think she was actually fouled on that as well but that ended um, or started another tiny run that we had um, there in that uh, beginning of that fourth quarter Um, but I don't think the game was quite there for yard end either. It just was maybe not good matchups for her, or like you said, maybe she had some kind of illness or something else was going on. So, um, but overall I thought that was a really great pass from yard end. So she responded pretty well. I thought to, you know, when she got in, she was at least putting up really great effort. And that was an example of a good play from yard end tonight.
0: Yeah. And I'll go to, again, the kind of after that, Right after that, you have a defensive sequence at our end where Penn State has the ball, I should say, and from our defensive end where we get, you know, they miss a shot, kind of a bunny, then we partially block the the, the putback. And then I believe it was Sarah Scalia who hustled for the rebound out of bounds because it was probably going to be off us, and she hustled down the rebound and saved it to a Hoosier, and then we come down the floor and made something happen. But I'm also going to point out here at this, uh, at 6:37, Sydney buries a big three, pushes the yeah. lead back up to nine at 63:54, And then the next trip down the floor takes a charge from the Brigham girl who was, you know, who has, you know, had some, uh, had some, uh, had some strength advantage on Sydney, you know? And so Sydney took, stayed in there and took the charge. So I thought that was a key sequence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I think Sydney just left everything on the floor. And you know, maybe we'll end up talking about her a little bit later here in the show. So um maybe we'll we'll save that. But maybe let's talk a little bit, Jeff, about how they ended the fourth quarter because I thought there were some key plays that you know we we talked a lot about after the third quarter timeout and the beginning of that through that beginning of the fourth quarter, they just really had their best um basketball of the night, but then they just seemed to get back into this kind of um I don't know, fouling, it seemed like we were just fouling a lot to go down the the end. And I thought one of the announcers said something along the lines of um, the clock, the clock is your friend, the clock is your friend or something along that so line.
0: Repeat after me, workaholics, yes. the clock is your friend, the exactly. clock is your friend, stop fouling and stopping the clock. It was not, I was frustrated as a former coach. Kathy, do you know how many times I had that same conversation with my own team? So It's like, we practice those things and we'd still go out and be like, I have to be in a timeout. The clock is your friend. Let it run. Giving up a layup there is not the worst thing. Now in the college game, I'll say this, once you get under a minute the clock's going to stop. So there isn't an advantage whereas like in the high school game the clock keeps running. So hey, right, you right. know, make them burn timeouts or they're out timeouts, we'll take a few seconds off the clock. But stop fouling and it was your veterans who were
1: fouling. Yes, it was. It, it Sydney, was Mac, Sarah. <laughs> Sydney. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And then they get a ten. Even and then they I'm sorry, and, and then, then they get a 10 yep. second violation. <laughs> you 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 took the words right out of my mouth. And what was that it was like Oh, you got it here in the notes. 53 seconds to go. Yeah. 53 seconds to go. And we have a 10 second valuation. So this is, again, we saw this a little bit, at least I felt we did when we were playing Princeton down in Fort Myers, where we just kind of struggle a little bit getting into the flow when we were getting pressed with a really strong press like Penn State had tonight. And, um, You know, not only did we have some trouble, obviously, with that 10 second violation, but we were close again on a couple of other plays of not being able to break it. But even once we do break it, I think it just takes us out of our offensive um, rhythm that we have trouble getting down to. So I was glad that Penn State didn't start, you know, kind of pressing us until towards the end. So Um, but any other overarching thoughts or plays you want to talk on with um, this game? No, my, I, but I wanted to make sure I got in the part about the clock is your friend. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that will become one of our mantras. I think hopefully um, for I hope other not. other. Yeah, true. I, let me let me uh, rephrase that. That'll become one of our mantras that we never have to say again. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Jeff, well, with that, we've kind of started touching a little bit on some numbers. Like, Why don't we dive into the team numbers and our notable numbers first? So why don't you go first and tell us about a number you were really like to, to key on tonight?
0: Um, second half, IU holds Penn State to 30% shooting after allowing them to shoot 53% in the first half. I just thought, again, we talked a little bit about this in the pivotal plays, kind of. The defense got back to focus. I you know, There was a lot of the game tonight where you could make the argument they, did, they weren't very focused. There was just one of those nights. Again, it happens in a 30-plus game season. You're going to have those nights in the course of the season. Like in the this is why in the NBA game where you get you'll watch people be like, How do you lose by 50 in NBA game? Because they're in an 82 game schedule, there's just nights where you just don't have it. The other team does. And, and yeah. But the good teams find a way to win, even when it's not their great game. But I did think that they lacked some focus for a lot of the for a big chunk of the first half. But the defense, once the defense, I felt Kathy got locked in there after that timeout, I really felt pretty good about the way the game went, ex- except for that last minute.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the other big, um, kind of blemish for me on this game is the turnovers. You know, we, we had, um, eight turnovers <laughs> in the first half and I thought they were, you know, kind of cleaning that up. And then we ended up with 20. Um, and the worst part, I think for me was that we had six of those come from Chloe and four from, from, um, uh, McKenzie. So for 10 of those 20 rebounds, so half of our, our, excuse me, t- turnovers, I am really struggling with my vocabulary tonight, but 10 of our 20 turnovers were from two of our more senior players that you wouldn't expect that from, especially Chloe. I can't remember, you know, the last time we've ever talked about Chloe having more turnovers than assists, but she certainly had that tonight with six turnovers and only four assists. So those were, uh, that was definitely a number that was, um, you know, they were definitely sloppy with the balls, um, tonight I thought. Yeah,
0: and that's the only way you can say it. There was a lot of bad, unforced turnovers. The 10-second count's an example of that that we mentioned already. That's an unforced turnover. That's not being aware. And in the college game, the shot clock's there for you to see. So, I mean, that's just not good quarter awareness. Kathy, another one I'll go to, I think if you told me beforehand that we'd still win by eight, if we got outscored 46-38 in the paint, I thought there was no way we're winning. Right. But we did, we, we were minus eight on points in the paint and still found a way to win.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of those came from Brigham and I think it would have been even worse if she wouldn't have gotten into foul trouble, um, personally. So, but I think validate actually herself, she ended up with 13 points and she did a really nice job getting to the, to the basket as well, which I think accounted for them. Um, one number I do want to talk about though, is again, back to our our field goal percentage. So it was just not a good free field goal percentage night for us. So we shot 50, excuse me, 39 in the first half, um, but ended up shooting 46 in the second. And I think um, part of that was because we stopped taking, or at least I don't have numbers per se to back this up, but it felt like we didn't take as many three-pointers and started driving the ball more, and there were a little more high-efficiency shots that we were taking in that second half. Um, But the shooting just wasn't there overall for us tonight, you know, 49%. 42% 42% and then 29% from three, we were only four of 14 from three point, you know, after we've been kind of watching this team light it up from outside the arc, um, they were really struggling, you know, Sarah Scalia was only one of five, Sydney hit two very key ones, but it was two of six, and then yard end was one of two. Um, and then Chloe airballed the one that she took. So it was, it was definitely not a good three point shooting night or shooting overall. The thing with this team is that they find ways to overcome when one thing is not working for them that they can usually rely on. They find other ways to get it done. And that's what I really enjoy about this team and how well I think they're coached. What other numbers, Jeff, do you have for us?
0: As far as team numbers, Kathy, I'll just say the one I'll point out is we, again. I think it's something we're going to talk a lot about throughout the rest of the season, just based on the stats we see. But we finished even on the glass, and we and we finished even on offensive rebounds. It was 37-37 yep. overall, and both teams had ten offensive rebounds. So I, again, I'll call that you know a push. If, you know, if you're betting, but I, you know, for me, that's a plus. If, if you're finishing, especially at Penn State who was, you know, if I remember right, was plus a little bit better than us on the glass. So to me, that's a win.
1: Yeah, 23-16 in the first half, they out-rebounded us. So Mm. ended up even, 37-37 in the rebounds. Tells me, well, clearly we out-rebounded them in the second half when it counted. And we really cleaned up better on the, you know, the defensive side, you know, offensive rebounds. I didn't write it down. But um, I think they had quite a few in that first half, but ended up, Penn State only ended up with 10 offensive rebounds. So I think our defensive rebounding intensity in particular really um, went up along with our defensive um, pressure in that second half. Any other team stats, Jeff, that you want to kind of touch on or any? Anything in particular with number wise? All right. Nope. Well, let's jump into game ball. Then um, we did um, just kind of set the stage here. We have had um, McKenzie Holmes with five of the game balls for the year. Sarah Scalia with four Yarden end Garzone has had three and Sydney Parish has had one game ball so far this year. Um, and I think you have a number of ways you could probably go on this tonight, Jeff, but what did you, you ended up um, going with for your game ball?
0: See, I don't think I'll disagree with you, Kathy. I'm not sure there's a, several ways to go here. I think there's only two ways you really could go here. Dude, and no, I. I, I, I yeah, I'm going to go with Sydney Parrish because to me, without Sydney's nine-one run of her own, I don't think this game, I, I'm not saying we don't come back to win it, but I think it ends up being a much, fi- a much fiercer fight to the end in terms of you know maybe we scratch out a two or a three point win. But Sydney got us the momentum kick started early on you know, that third quarter, and you look at Sydney's stat line: five for nine shooting overall. She was only two of six from the from beyond the arc, but that means she was three for three inside the arc eight of 10 at the free throw line. Uh, so 20 points, ten, six rebounds, uh, two assists, a block and three steals. And so and yeah. only had one turnover. So that's, I, I went with her over McKenzie based mostly on the turnovers. Cause Mac again, had another night where she really struggled in, in the turnover column.
1: Yeah. Um, Jeff. I, yeah. I, I meant again, I'm struggling with my vocabulary tonight. I meant you could go a couple of ways, not several ways. <laughs> But yeah, so you had uh, Mackenzie on the other side of that with 21 points on 10 of 16 shooting. But yeah, the, the big thing that stood out to me there as well is her four turnovers. Uh, and so for me, I put down Sydney for my game ball as well. So that is Sydney's second game ball, I believe, in a row for tonight. So she had it after the the um, Nebraska game. And, you know, before we move on to the Grace Burger hardest worker, I think Sydney has really played very well here of late. Um, you know, it, kind of starting back with a stretch when we had her right against that main game. Where we had three games in a row where we gave um, Sydney our our hardest worker, and then she got it against Michigan, and then here in Nebraska and Penn State. The last two games, she's gotten our our game ball. And to me, I think that is going back to when we were previewing the season. I had said, you know, I really feel that how Sydney goes is how this team is going to go. And I I I'm feeling that now that she has ratcheted up her play here in the last you know half or second half of the. First half, <laughs> the yeah. last 10 games or so, she's really ratcheted up her play, and it's showing in um, the team effort in total on the floor and the team results.
0: Well, it's really shown up in the, in the last three games because, realistically, she could have been the game ball for the last three games. I mean, Absolutely. that game against Michigan where she came out on fire and got, you know, like, what, had 17 yeah. or 18 points in the first quarter That's alone. I'm like yeah. 14 points in the first quarter, you know, um, with that. So, but, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I think the only other negative tonight, the negative about, about um, Sydney tonight was she ended up with four fouls. And again, yeah. when Sydney's playing well, we can't afford for her to be on the bench because of foul trouble. A breather, a rest, that's fine. But I think you got to be able to keep it, you know, you got to be able to keep her on the floor as much as possible. The other thing too here, Cass, before we move on to the hardest worker, I mentioned Chloe Moore McNeil went down a little bit tonight. And kind yeah. of, we think maybe twisted an ankle, or whatever, got taped up, came back in. <laughs> be interesting <laughs> to see how that feels tomorrow. Because generally with an ankle injury, a lot of times, especially like if it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's not one of those where you can barely walk as soon as it happens, if you can still put some pressure on handle the pain, they tape it up, you know, it's not too bad that night, you know. Adrenaline's flowing. It's the next morning when you kind of wake up and it's starting to swell on you, or has swollen up on you. So I'll be interested to see how they treat her because that's the things with modern training and you know physical therapy that they can do down there. Um, what they do tonight? Would they put her in like almost like an ice boot for part of the night? You know, you know, one of the, you know mm-hmm. sleep type things on her ankle to try and keep the swelling down. Um, but we obviously need her on Saturday at her at close to if not a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, cool. Well, congratulations to Sydney. Just really love to see her play. So let's go ahead and move on to the Grace Berger Hardest Worker. Um, Again, the ticker is up there if you're watching on YouTube, either live or after the fact, but you can see the number four we've had so far. So as mentioned, Sydney is leading the way with four. Mackenzie Holmes has three. Chloe Moore McNeil, Lexi Bargesser both have two. Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister each have one. So Jeff, I'm going to go ahead and start. Let you start again. So who did you vote for for Grace Berger hardest worker? Again, now, I, I think you could have
0: brought in a Chloe here as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did came not have a great ankle. yeah, and yeah. came back with the ankle. Did not have a great shooting night, uh, but she didn't have a rebound at all. She, she, As you mentioned, she was negative on assist-to-turnover ratio for maybe the only time I can ever remember, six turnovers to four assists. So in this case, I'm going to go with McKenzie here. McKenzie, to me, becomes the logical choice for the hustle because – if Sydney isn't the game ball, which she is, but then it's McKenzie. And, and I know they aren't necessarily right. one in the same awards, not like a, a 1A, 1B award. But I thought McKenzie made some really big plays both at the defensive end and the offensive end in that fourth quarter. Sydney kind of got us jump started rolling at the, you know, from the middle of the third quarter to the end of the third quarter. Mac kind of carried us throughout the rest of the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with you. At first, I was going to say Chloe for her efforts to come back after that ankle. She really looked like she was in pain. They took her back, retaped her or taped her back up and um, really liked it. But boy, it's really hard to have somebody with six turnovers. Um, uh, and and some of the, the decisions that you had mentioned get the hardest worker. And so for me, Mackenzie is getting our Grace Burger hardest worker award as well. So that takes the um, McKinsey up to four. And while we're talking to McKinsey, we'll go ahead and talk about our Mac watch numbers. So we've been watching pretty closely McKinsey moving up this year on the different, um, leaderboards for career all times. So first we'll talk, start with points. So she is in second place right now behind Tyra bus, um, Tyra bus Davidson now, but, um, she has a total of 2,193 points. And so that puts her 171 points behind, um, Tyra. So with the 14 regular season games left, that means she has to average just over 12 points per game. Um, she's already in first place for, for field goals made now by a whopping 65 field goals, in case you're wondering how far ahead she is of second. Um, but the other thing that's interesting for McKenzie tonight as well is that she has now moved up into up to sixth place on the all-time rebounding award. So she started out the year in eighth. She's now up to sixth. She needs 42 more rebounds this year to move into fifth place. And then um, she's still a bit behind on the blocks, although she did have three blocks tonight. She is a bit behind on what she needs to average there. So um, really looking good for McKenzie, especially for the taking over first place, I think, right now. So she's been averaging... Here in her last four games, she has averaged or she has scored 93 points in that those four games. So really on pace to, to take that over. But anything, Jeff, you want to say um, on McKenzie before we move on to our next game?
0: Now just keep, you know, she just keeps racking up the numbers and moving up the list. Some of them a little slower than others. But it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially if it's a home game. When she breaks Tyra Bust, assuming right. she gets that point, will they stop the game? I'm kind of remembering a little bit. I think even under Bob Knight, I think they stopped the game when Calvert Cheney became the all time scorer. I think so, so too. And, you know, made yeah. a brief, you know, kind of a brief announcement, gave him the ball, whatever it was. So, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how they handle that because, you know, not every coach is the same and not every, you know, and not every player is the same in terms of, you know, stopping the game, kind of stopping the flow. So it'll be interesting to see how they treat that when that happens, especially if it happens at home. So we'll see from there, but yeah, just again, so, you know, in some cases quickly, quickly, and in some cases a little more slowly, but she just continues to move up those long time yeah. lists.
1: Yeah. She's looking really good for it. So, well, let's talk about the upcoming game for our Indiana women Hoosiers. So we, I think we've all been anticipating this game since we had the schedule kind of come out and printed. So our upcoming game is at Iowa, Um, it is this Saturday, Saturday, yes, Saturday, um, January 13th. That game is a late night, if you will, for a Saturday for women, they are on prime time eight Eastern seven central, and they will be on national Fox channel. So, um, um, this was, I saw during the, the men's game last week that, um, they were really billing this already on Fox and as well. Um, as their their headline for, for their Saturday lineup, I think. And so this is just great to see in general for women's basketball, but it's really fantastic to see for our our women, Indiana women's program. So um, I think a lot of people know about Iowa already, but let's go ahead and talk about them in depth. So Iowa is currently number seven in the net. Um, in terms of the all-time series, they do have this one pretty handily, which is not surprising. They have had a long Good history with their women program they lead the all-time series 53 to 22 um they have won 31 to four times in iowa city so indiana's only beat iowa four times in iowa city our last matchup was last year um on february 26th of february 26th to 23 i was at that game and got to see a lovely Clay, caitlin clark buzzer beat us on a three and beat us 86 to 85 um, in the last 10 meetings, Iowa is leading that six to four, um, including winning four of the last five. So um, let me go into their schedule a little bit and their their record, Jeff, and then I'll kick it over to you. So Iowa is coming in at 15 and one. They are four and oh over uh, in Big Ten play. And is that game right now with Purdue over?
0: No, there is two, min- two minutes to go. So they're going to improve to 16 and one, five and oh in the league. Yep. They're up 91, yep. 69.
1: Okay, so they're up 91-69, beating Purdue at Purdue right now. Um, Their one loss that they had is to Kansas State, who is number nine in the net. The interesting thing with that was that it was at home. But it was very early in the season, um, November 18th, and they won that 58 to 65. Um, But on the flip side of that, they went back down to Florida as well or over Thanksgiving. They were in Florida playing at the same time that Indiana was and they beat Kansas State down there 77 to 70. So they got their revenge. Um, Other notable um, teams they have defeated this year. Um early on in the season they went to Charlotte um both teams them and Virginia Tech who is 15 in the net um got paid to play in Charlotte and in and, and Iowa won that 80 to 76 so that was a really good game um and really hard fought by both teams but Iowa turned came out on top of that Um, Iowa State, they beat them in Ames. Iowa State is currently number 44 in the net. And they beat them in Ames, um, 67 to 58. And then Michigan State is number 14 in the net. And that was a really hard-fought game, but Iowa won that as well on another buzzer beater from Caitlin Clark, I think with 0.7 seconds or something left, (laughs) and they beat Michigan State 76-73. to So, yeah, why don't you go ahead, Jeff, and let's get into some of the statistics for the team and some individuals for Iowa.
0: Yeah, head coach Lisa Bluter in her 24th season at Iowa, her 40th season overall. She's 494 and 249, which is a 66% winning percentage at Iowa. She has 850 wins. This isn't counting the one tonight. I guess I could add that in. 69% overall. She, the, obviously, they were the NCAA run-up last year they uh, they have two regular season big 10 titles under lisa Bluter, four big 10 tournament titles including the last two they're going to they're shooting they're going to be above this a little bit tonight they're 91 they're 91 points a game is second in the big 10 they give up 67 though but part of that's pace of play they get up and down they're, it's not going to be long drawn out 25 26 second possessions at least when iowa has the ball Um, from that standpoint. So but so that's 10th in the league. But again, part of that is at the pace they play at. They're shooting 51% on field goals, third in the league, 36% on threes, which is six. I would have thought maybe a little better, but again, they're going to shoot a lot of them because they shoot almost 27 threes a game. They shoot 76% at the line, which is fifth. Uh, Interesting, Kathy, that they're just barely, they're just under plus one on turnover margin. They, They turn it over 14 times a game but they only forced 15 and with the style they play, you would really think that that would be a bigger number there on the turnover margin. They're plus 11, basically in rebounds, which is first in the league. And they average 14,000. I'm just going around. They average 15,000 a game, which is first in the league. Um, And obviously we know who their leader is. Caitlin Clark.
1: Yeah. Real quick, Jeff. Yeah. I just wanted to make a note while you're talking about attendance. The other interesting thing with Iowa, I think, is that not only did they sell out all of their home games with season ticket holders before the season even started, every one of their remaining away games have sold out. So for example, that purdue game tonight was sold out the indiana game against iowa has already been noted as sold out ohio state is sold out and i believe ohio state even opened up their balcony which they don't typically do for women's game and sold out all of that so when we are getting ready to talk about caitlin clark you know it is worth noting that you know she's done an amazing job as a player but she also brings a lot of eyeballs to the game and a lot of attention
0: and right now, to give you an example, Kathy, of that game in West Lafayette just ended, the crowd was basically giving a standing ovation to the winning team, which was Iowa. That was, right. I mean, it and was, that was there in was Purdue. This, yeah. yeah, and that was in West Lafayette. <laughs> so um, part of the problem Purdue had was that game only sold out a couple, three days ago. And that was mainly yeah, because well, Iowa fans, mainly because Iowa fans found out there were tickets available to go watch. <laughs> and it's not that long a drive, especially on the eastern edge outside uh, of Iowa. I imagine what, maybe five hours?
1: yeah can't even be that far yeah yeah
0: so but obviously we all know about caitlin clark she's first in the league in scoring at 31 a game she's she averages seven rebounds seven almost uh seven uh 7.6 assists which is first in the league um 1.6 steals 49 percent field goals 40 percent from yark 80 at the line she's the all-time leading scorer at iowa she's on pace to become the all-time leading scorer basically in ncaa women's history national player of the year last year so you know we we all know about caitlin clark and what you got to try to do with caitlin clark is just as best limit what she does don't let her go out and get 40 keep her to her her average
1: or in the 20s
0: (laughs) yeah keep her to her average or keep her a little low but again you pointed this out in the workaholics tonight or somebody else did at one point tonight she only had 26 points and they were still winning by 20 23 you know something like that so yeah. they've got some firepower that gets me to our next one Hannah Stalky 62 sophomore forward she's averaging 14 a game seven rebounds a game 66% field goals which is second in the league and but she's only a 60% free throw shooter and she was the big Ten sixth person of the air last year uh, Kate Martin 6 foot graduate guard 12 points a game five uh, almost six rebounds three assists 55% field goals a 33% three-point shooter, but an 89% free throw shooter. The one that's interesting here, and I hope I'm not trying to bring in, I'm not bringing mojo here for, but Gabby Marshall, five-nine graduate guard, and I put question marks on this, Kathy, in the in the run sheet because you watch them play and I watched it on the eye test when I'm watching, I'm thinking, well, Gabby Marshall's not playing that bad. Then I started looking at her stats. Her shooting numbers are all way down. She's a career 40 plus pre, uh, three point percentage shooter. She's shooting 29% from three this year. Um, and most of her shots are three. So her, her overall field goal percentage is only 30% right now. And she's only shot two free throws coming into the Purdue game. night. she only shot two free throws all year. So I I'm like, well, I didn't think Marshall's playing that bad, but then you look, she's only averaging about four or five points a game and, but yet they're winning. So it's like, she doesn't need to score. Right. But you would think <laughs> she makes make have,
1: shots. Yeah. When you have somebody scoring 31 points with Caitlin Clark, 14 with Stulky and 12 with Kate Martin. I don't think she's out there for scoring. What I've noticed with Gabby Marshall is more on the defensive side. They tend to put her on the best guard on the other team. That's what I'm thinking is more of Gabby Marshall's role for them this year.
0: That's a great. That, I'm glad you chimed in that because you get to yeah. see them a little bit more than I do um, with that. So, but yeah, I mean, we know what they are. They, they, uh, there are no secrets in the league anyway. But there's definitely no secrets between these two teams.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you know the the thing that we're gonna obviously be watching and hoping for is Chloe's ankle to be back to to some good health so that she can hopefully slow Caitlin Clark down. And I know it sounds weird if you haven't watched women's basketball and somehow don't know about Caitlin Clark. I'm not quite sure where you're living, maybe under a rock, but just in case you don't know, slowing somebody down, like, like Caitlin to only 20 points a game is really a great defensive effort. <laughs> and it probably sounds weird with almost any other player we'd be co- going up against to slow them down to 20 points, but that's absolutely what we need to do with Miss um, with Caitlin Clark. Um, but then you also have to make sure that our other players on Stalke and Martin or uh, uh, Gabby Marshall or whoever it might be, especially Stalke Martin are doing their job defensively as well um, to not let them go off and take up, the slack that maybe we can slow Caitlin down. The interesting thing for me, Jeff, is how they will handle uh McKinsey Holmes. Like we're talking a lot about how are we gonna defend Iowa and how are we going to slow them down, but you know, we're we're averaging 81 points per game as well, which is a fifth in the, the league. So it's not like we're any slouch at putting up points, and you know, McKinsey's an all-American for a reason. And Hannah Stolke, while she you know is very good player, I'm not quite sure how she's gonna be able to slow. Um, Mackenzie homes down and so I what I'm hoping for is that our shooting woes from tonight go away, because I think they're going to have to guard Mackenzie to have any hope of slowing her down. But what are your thoughts on the flip side of that and how you think Iowa might try to, to guard us. Well, I think they'll
0: try and go with Stalky and maybe double team her a little bit. Um, I'm trying to remember, Kathy, you might be able to think of it off the top of your head. I didn't put her in the run sheet. They have a post player that we remember we talked with Kyle Huseman from Hawkeye Report back yeah. before the season started that they kind of had some hopes who might end up be, be, being able to allow Stalky to kind of move into that four spot. But the girl, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's not. Up, she, huh?
1: It's greedy, right? Yes, I think that's who great. you're talking of. Yes. Yeah.
0: But she hasn't really <laughs> put up, up. She hasn't really put up big numbers for him. No. And so they, you may see a little bit more of her. I'm not sure Stelke really is a, is a great match for her, but then also Stelke has a little bit of chance, of an opportunity to go out on the floor and maybe drag McKenzie away from the room too.
1: Yeah, that, exactly. So um, the the one thing I do concern, my concern back to, again, talking about how do we defend them is with Hannah Stolke. You know, she's got some really fast feet and she looks to be just maybe a little bit more athletic than McKenzie might be. And so how does McKenzie, again, I'm assuming McKenzie is going to uh, um, be guarding Stolke down there. Um, how do we handle her as well? Because obviously we're going to have to have all of Chloe's attention on or whoever's in the game at that point. Point on caitlin clark um so will will mckenzie be able to guard her as well because they're just very different kind of post players you know hannah is a little bit more um i don't i don't know how to say this well but she she's a little more quick i think but i think mckenzie's got much better um iq and footwork which is not surprising hannah is only a sophomore so right. I, I think that matchup is very intriguing to me and i'll be curious to see how we 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 do with that but And what are your keys to this game, Jeff, for us? Oh,
0: I was getting ready to say, if you were going to throw it back to me, I think you got to have a, we need the prime Sarah Scalia. We, uh, you know, I, again, Sarah had 11 points tonight. She had six rebounds, but didn't you feel like there were times she just kind of blended in or just kind of faded away tonight? Say that one more time. Sorry. Didn't you just feel like there were times tonight where Sarah kind of faded away? It wasn't really, you you really didn't know she was out there and we can't have that Saturday. You're going to go into the, probably the most, even more so than Stanford was back before Thanksgiving. This is going to be the most hostile environment you're going to go into maybe all season and what you really need is shooting to kind of quiet a crowd down. And, and, and so you need Sydney and we talked about her already and being yes. on, on a little bit of a role, but we need Sarah Scalia that played Michigan played Nebraska. We need that kind yeah. of production. I'm not saying ever. Cause I, Sarah plays hard. That, that's never been a she question does. for me, but we need yeah, production. Even
1: when she, her shot wasn't coming tonight, I thought she had great effort on her part, you know, and, and was still making some good, um, good plays. So, um, yeah. So my, that is one of my keys to the game is, is our shooting, which I kind of mentioned, you know, we cannot think that we're going to rely completely on Mac to be able to keep up with them. Um, question for you, Jeff, do you, as a coach more, and you try to slow Iowa down? Cause we know they pay probably a little faster pace than we do, or do you just try to keep up with them and try to slow Caitlin Clark down and, and then see what happens.
0: I, I'm not sure you want to play a hundred a hundred with them, but right. I'm not sure that Terry. I'm not sure Coach Morin wants it to, to. You know, we had this argument a couple of years ago when we first started the show, way back when we were doing like episode seven, eight, nine. You know, it seems like right. about about what's the way to beat Iowa? Is it to try <laughs> and slow them down, or is it to try and you know run with them and run with them? In that, and a couple of years ago that didn't work for us. Remember both games, yeah. both in Bloomington and in Iowa City, we got behind big, made big yeah. runs in the fourth quarter to make them close, but they end up they were 95-80 type, you yeah. know, 85 type games, 91-85, 96-91 type games. Last year, both games, the one in Bloomington, one in Iowa City, both in the mid eighties and IU split and realistically should have yep. been two could have been two and oh. So I think if you keep the game in the eighties, the high seventies, yep. low eighties, but I don't, I, I just can't imagine Terry Moore's going to try and make it a 65, 60 game. I, I just, I, I don't know. see
1: that. I don't think that they can. And so, yes. And when I, you know, say slow them down, what is their team averaging? Don't 80, give them off. 90 points per game. Yeah. Don't keep them in. Like I was thinking the same thing, Jeff, mid upper seventies, Um, If we keep it in that game, I think in that range, I think this is a game we can win. Um, Let's talk about rebounding.
0: Yeah, go, go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so great. Great minds sometimes do think a lot. So yeah, again, you know, this was really showing up in the first half of tonight's game where rebounding was, I thought, hurting us. And especially on the defensive end, they have to find a way to come out from the beginning, from the beginning of this game and have that defensive and rebounding intensity because it's going to do absolutely no good if you keep Caitlin Clark from, you know, making her three pointers from the logo or whatever range she wants to shoot it from um, and other people shoot and miss if we just let them have second chance points. And so I think the defensive rebounding is, if not, um, second, it's really close to tied. Actually, with being able to um, make some some shots on our end,
0: and you have to keep from fouling them. You cannot yes. keep. You cannot have foul trouble. You and a lot of times fouls come on second and third opportunities. You get so yeah, cleaning so off the of glass, position. but you got it. You can't get in foul trouble, and you can't be putting them at the line for free throws. You know, you know, midway through a court.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about with that matchup? Nope. Okay. Um, so I think we've talked enough about the numbers. So, real quick yep. on um, just games to watch um, uh, that happened around the Big Ten, just to kind of update. We talked about Iowa beating Purdue at Purdue 96 to 71. On Sunday, um, Wisconsin went into Illinois and beat them 67 to 61, which is a surprise. I didn't get to watch any of that game. But again, Illinois, um, we were thinking we we're going to be up in the top half. And what have they won one Big Ten game, Jeff?
0: They Mm -hmm. have. I thought it was zero, but I might have missed one yesterday. But right now, Kathy, is Illinois the most disappointing team in the league?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is now their second um, home loss that we know Mm of. You know, they got blown out by Michigan and then having a Wisconsin team who's, you know, candidly not not one of the top half of the the league teams and probably more towards the middle bottom half um, come in and beat them on at home. I thought was really disappointing. And then the other other, um, surprising to me was um, yesterday, Minnesota goes into Michigan and beats them 82 to 66. And it's back to, um, well, maybe Minnesota's for real. um, But we don't really know exactly what we're getting with Michigan yet either. But that to me was a telltale sign. And I'll be candid, I didn't watch any of that game. Mm -hmm. But having such a a big win by um, 16 points at Michigan to me tells me more Minnesota is probably for real and Michigan's probably going to be having an off year. Any thoughts on that game?
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'll say it a little bit differently, but I, I can't you know, Minnesota's a little more contender than we thought. And I think Michigan is a little more pretender than we might've thought yeah. based on the first couple of games, you know, with the way they went into Illinois. And again, I think that's why I go back to you look at Illinois, they got blown out at home by Michigan back in the early part of December. And then they lose at home to, to Wisconsin and who, like you said, is at best bottom third of the league, if not in the, you know, the bottom three. Um, and so, but, so I'm not sure what's going on at Illinois. I'll comment on that one too. A little bit Caddy. I, mm-hmm. I was at that game with Indiana and they played about the way you think they can yeah. play. And you can chalk up a lot of their losses or close games. But that also tells me something's missing, whether it's in, you know, it's in primarily, I would assume it's in the locker room. There's, there's, there's a connection that's missing. They're not there there's that was there last year when they were the hunter they kind of liked that idea i think this year i think they're getting a little bit more of the hunted and Mm -hmm. they're not responding very well but yeah there's just there's something that's because like i said we thought they were a possible top four team in the league right and, yeah. and here they are right now. I haven't won a game in the league. And so something's missing something in, you know, I hate to say it that way, but it just seems like there's something going on over there that we don't know about, which for obvious reasons, but yeah, it just, yes, it, there's just they're. something off kilter.
1: Yes, I, I, they are. I double-checked our fact-checked us. They are 0-3, so they're second to last. Only records is behind them at 0-4, so they're, you know, for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. last. And it's surprising with Illinois because they have a good chunk of their, their productivity back this year. I think they had one of the top five in the nation back in terms of um, offensive productivity, so... Well, Jeff, why don't we uh, go ahead and wrap things up here a little bit. What are your final thoughts on tonight's win over Penn state? And um, here we are heading into a huge game on Saturday against Iowa.
0: Huge game. You get a chance for, I'll talk about the Saturday game. First, you, you get a chance to get a leg up in the league and you win a game on the road against the other top contender right now. Um, It's going to be a tough win. I'll be honest, go back to the preseason predictions. I, I, You know, I want us to win, but this was a game I had chalked up as a loss going in. So am I going to be, it'll be more, if we lose, I'll be looking more along the line of how we play. How? And, you know, Mm -hmm. will it be more, is it Stanford? Then that's not a good thing. Is it losing, you know, you know, a close game on the road to the other best team in the league? Yeah, I can live with that. Um, But tonight, you know. When we kind of text about this, Kathy, the more I was, as I kind of got in the first half, the more it really hit me. This kind of really this was a trap game. It really yeah. was because everybody was talking about the way they'd played the last two games, how well they'd shot, how well they'd shot the three, how well Sydney and Mack had played, especially even Sarah. And everybody was looking at Penn State coming in with just the one league win, but they. They, and, and I'm sure they didn't know for sure, but McKenna Marissa playing night, by the way, kudos to get McKenna Marissa back in on the floor. Um, I'm glad glad she was, yes, glad to see that. Glad she wasn't healthy for us. You know, I'm glad, you know, take a break. But, you know, at that point, McKenna had missed, you know, she had missed a month of the season. So I think they got caught kind of thinking at home, you know, Penn State's coming in, only got one league win. We'll, and be, and then, but we got Iowa on Saturday. Let's think about it. You know? And so it really was kind of your classic yeah. trap game scenario. And luckily, they were able, as a veteran team, to find a way to dig themselves out of a hole in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, I agree. So my final thoughts are very much uh, similar to that. Jeff, I think we we definitely were thinking a lot about our win over Nebraska and looking too much ahead for Iowa. Um, I am happy to see McKenna Marissa for Penn State coming back. I think that will uh, that's really going to bolster them if she can stay healthy. Then the rest of the year, um, we saw that here tonight where you know they have a good team. They took Ohio State with Miss Mc- Marissa down to overtime. So don't sleep on Penn State either. There's still a lot of ba- um, basketball to be played. And so I'm um, excited to um, see what we do going into Iowa. City. City. So, um, that is my final thought. All right. So I'll wrap us up here quickly. Um, cause we're closing in on an hour, which is pretty long for Jeff and I, especially by ourselves, but I do want to talk again. Um, our 100th episode is coming up on Um, January 21st, it is Sunday. It is after the Purdue game at Purdue. We are officially announcing now we are planning to do a a celebration of that. And thanks to home field, um, Homefield Apparel is going to be letting us give away a choice of um, anything you want if you are choosing the winner. So how are you going to be the winner? So first of all, you have to come and watch our live show on YouTube, and then you need to go ahead and chat with us in the, the live Workaholics chat. However, it has to be something specific related to the game or to something we're talking about on the show. So you can't just come in, say hi, and leave. Because then at the end of the show, you have to be present to win. And then we'll do a random drawing of anybody that chatted with us in the workaholics. My husband, thanks, Sean. um, He's in the other room right now. So thanks to Sean. He's going to be, he is a controller and accountant. So he is very good at this type of stuff. He will keep track of everyone and do a random drawing. And we'll announce the winner at the end of that episode. So keep that on your calendar. Again, that is January 21st.
0: Hey, so Sean, like those guys that they come bring out at like the Oscars, you know, the you know, here's the accountants who, you know, yes. <laughs>
1: He's going to audit the results for us. So um, thanks to to Sean Sean. for that. And and I've already told him he's not eligible. So (laughs) he can't win. Um, Jeff and I can't win either, obviously, either. But hopefully all of you mark your calendar January 21st. Um, But before that, we do have two other episodes. And we will be coming um, live with you on Saturday, the Saturday the 13th, right after the Iowa game. It will be a little bit later. So hopefully you don't have too many Saturday plans out there. Um, the game again tips at eight eastern nine seven central so we'll be on around 10 eastern nine central assembly call we'll be on tomorrow night their 1000th episode so congratulations to the guy over on assembly call and if you want to see us do the live sh- show live hopefully again on that january 21st date be part of the live chat um, make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel YouTube.com slash at back home network. You can be part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. Big thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you heard. But most of all, thank you all for being here live or listening after the fact. We appreciate you all and love talking with you. And we'll be back with you to talk hoops again on Saturday night. But until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. all right
0: good show thanks everybody and the
1: workaholics really fun. appreciate it thanks everyone for being here yeah very lively group a lot of uh banter back and forth and hopefully where everyone was staying nice to each other so just remember that everyone's entitled to your opinions and um everyone's respected here so appreciate everyone being with us and hopefully we'll see quite a crowd again on sunday or on saturday rather and then again on um the last two, Wednesday. leading up to our 100th episode, so really exciting, Jeff. I can't believe that uh, we've been able to make it that long, and people pretend they want to listen to us. I guess. Yeah,
0: we got people <laughs> coming into the list. Too, so, so it, it's a lot of fun. We had 60 some people tonight after a game that was on BTN Plus. So we did. Hopefully after a Fox game know, and hopefully know, a so. win, if we're lucky, you know, we can get a good crowd in here after, but we're always appreciative of the crowd that's here. You know, we got certain yeah, people, nice, Quang, Eagle Eye, Steve, DC, General. you know, there's a lot of you guys and we're not trying to just omit by, but you know, who've been here for a long time with us on the workaholic. So, you know, we, we appreciate you guys being here night in and night out. So, yeah. So, Hey, we're going to get out of here. Cause Kathy, yeah. you got to work and, a little and bit. I got to defend
1: Iowa. Yep. A little bit. Yes, I do. So I'll let you go. But when, before I leave and we officially sign off DC general, I'm going to defend Iowa, the state. Um, at least the Des Moines area is a really actually quite a lovely place to work. Ignoring the weather. We got 11 inches of snow yesterday and are expecting three more tonight and another five to 10 on Friday, but ignoring the weather, actually Des Moines is a really great place to live. And if you're ever in this area, I'd love to show it off to you. So got to defend, defend my home right now. So. All right, All right. <laughs> everybody, take care. Let's we'll call it night. a night.
0: Yep, we'll talk to you Saturday night.
1: Yep, take care. Bye bye.